This episode is sponsored by Efficient Business Solutions, your one-stop shop for technology. So this is going to be a uh, Spurs-specific podcast uh, for many reasons. A, I'm a Spurs fan. Uh, B, um, my buddy Marcus Fuchs is going to be joining me today. Uh, and we're going to talk about what ideas uh, do we have to, to maybe fix the team. It's going to be a little bit of a painful one, and there's going to be a lot of rants. But overall, it... It's really going to be a good show today. We're going to talk about important, important things and how we see the Spurs' future. And more importantly, what the heck happened against Sheffield United. So, let's get this baby started. So joining me today is um, is Marcus Fuchs on, on this episode. And Marcus, the last time you and I talked, um, we talked right before the Manchester United game, and we we had some positives that we were gonna, that we talked about things to look into, and and things were a little bit rosy, and we got a point out of it. And you go into West Ham, you get the three, you looked a little bit more dominant, but man, Thursday Thursday was like t- just a punch in the gut that you did not expect, wasn't it? I mean, it was comically bad. It was as bad as I can remember Spurs playing in my years of watching them. Um, I think the defending is really the alarming thing because the appointment of Jose Mourinho, people thought we might play defensive football, but we thought that football might work. And Thursday was kind of an undoing of everything we thought Jose Mourinho might bring to Tottenham. It, it it's weird though because you look at the performance on Wednesday and it really was a little bit encouraging. Yeah, it was only two, but we could have scored more. Uh, we looked vulnerable on some breaks, and and West Ham, you'd argue, you know, should have maybe gotten a goal, uh, but we could have gotten two, three more. Uh, the defense wasn't necessarily as exposed as we thought it was, um, but it just looks like it looked like the combination of Davis and Dyer was working well. Um, but then it didn't, and it didn't in a really bad way, and it got exposed. And I would even argue to say that after Vertonghen came on, it really didn't get better either. So when you say that the defense really kind of let us down, it's a little bit deeper than that from from a depth perspective. If you look at also, would have would you think Alderweireld would have done better? I don't know. But it seemed like the more time has gone in the game, and I noticed this also in the United game, and I spoke about it on a couple of podcasts, is it seems that the more that the, the longer the game goes, the less focus and concentration players are having, specifically in the back line. I mean, I personally think, having discussed with Spurs friends, a whole new back six, so that's a goalie, four full defenders, and holding midfielder are needed. Um, I think that Davis and Sanchez is the biggest disappointment. It was a lot of money at the time on Davis and Sanchez. One of the most exciting uh, centre-backs brought in from Ajax and has really just not really fulfilled the potential we all thought he had. I think that it's the messiness of the goals. So 
the Moose goal, for example, I think I'd get in trouble at the level of football that I'd play if a goal was conceded like that. The static defending, the image of him just passing the ball into an empty goal. You know, th- these aren't goals that you can concede at all. It's, it's the goal of a team that's given up on, on, on its ambitions. And I think that's kind of the most alarming thing about the performance against Sheffield United. Because it, it's not even the fact we lost. It's kind of the manner in which the goals were conceded that was so horrific. If you look at the starting lineup too, Marcus, I, I mean, I tweeted about this. I actually was very, very encouraged. And I said that this type of starting lineup should absolutely have no issues uh, uh, beating Sheffield United 10 times out of 10. Uh, you all of a sudden have healthy forwards. Um, I was astonished of how poor Sun was. It's very much unlike him. But the, the issue wasn't necessarily the goal that got disallowed or uh, the forwards really not producing. I think I think the defense was was the bigger bigger gap. And and you're right, it was embarrassing to see a goal like that happen where the player is just literally standing in the six and he's just tapping it in. And it wasn't because of like you know came off of somebody. It was literally just passed to him. Is this? Is this a wake-up call, or is it more like, hey, the season's over now, pretty much. Uh, let's just see how we can start the preseason. How do you approach the, the the handful of games left after after you really just show a very poor performance like this? Okay, so the first thing, a few very good points raised. I think the first thing is that Lo needs to be playing further forward. His record at Real Betis is much better than his one at Spurs. I think that his goal and assist, he got 17 goals from 14 assists in his final season. That isn't someone that should be playing in an eight. He should be playing in a 10. I think that Son's drop in form is alarming. But I think the most poignant thing and kind of why I contacted you to come back on the podcast is that I'm fed up of Tottenham Hotspur saying we're going to bounce back. We're ready to come back. This season hasn't been good enough. We've got 55 points, I think, from the last 44 games. That's bottom eight on a points-per-game ratio domestically. We just don't, haven't really been good enough. I don't view the season with any positivity. I think that the rest of the games, Ryan Sessegnon should come in at left-back. The Celso should play in his most natural position. And we should kind of move on from there. I just am no longer buying this Tottenham are going to bounce back. This team is... The generation of this team is over. It's time to kind of start again, rip up the foundations... And that's as sombre as it is, but Southampton, just sorry to end this point, Southampton were lost 9-0 uh, to Leicester City and were in a relegation fight. So the season moves has moved on, we're on that parallel. We're on a parallel at the moment, we can compare how Mourinho's taken the squad on. Southampton currently set two points behind Tottenham Hotspur. And that's kind of emblematic of quite how bad our season has been. So you okay? So I'll segue into this because eventually I was going to ask you this, but I look at this as a fan and as as somebody that has watched a tremendous amount of football um, and also like yourself, and I say I don't think this is a manager issue. Uh, Do I think that the squad? This is me personally. Do I think that the squad has better potential moving forward over the next couple of years with Jose Mourinho than uh, Poch uh, if he would still be here? But I would say yes, but I would also say that 
it really wouldn't have mattered who you would have brought in because I think that this is a player issue, not necessarily a manager issue. Do you agree with that or do you have a difference of opinion there? So I think that Pochettino's era at Spurs had come to an end. I think we, we weren't really going anywhere as a, as a football club. The performances were abject. The performance against Brighton and Bayern Munich in the team week was embarrassing. Um, so I don't want to hark back to the Pochettino days. I don't believe in that uh, as an approach. I, so I think Mourinho can be the man to drive us forward. However, and this is someone who advocates Jose Mourinho as the manager of Spurs, what we've seen against Sheffield United and in other performances simply isn't good enough. That squad is more talented than the performances we've been producing. Maybe we're not ready to be back in the top four race. Maybe we've been too privileged as Spurs fans getting used to being in the, in the Champions League, but we are better than a truly woeful performance at Bramall Lane. So I think we can get better under Mourinho. I think maybe he's the right man, but we, we can't be producing what we just saw. I mean, it's truly atrocious. And in a week that's going to end with a North London derby, there's a, there's a lot to be concerned about. So here's the dilemma also that you have, right? So you have some decent games that, that you really should start thinking about in terms of what they mean to to the club history and the fans, uh, like the North London Derby, and then you have Everton tomorrow. Um, but more importantly, you, you you started to mention something, and by the way, I'm of that opinion too, where I want to see Ryan Sessegna. This should probably be the next handful of games that Ndombele goes in and Jose Mourinho says, okay, show me what you got, show me why I should keep you. Um, we need to start hopefully uh, looking at um, Harry Winks maybe in a little bit of a different situation. I don't know if he's a strong enough player now uh, to merit some decent playing time, but let's look at the bench. Let's look at what Alderweireld can bring in under Jose Mourinho. It's, do you still then try to experiment even though you think you might drop three points to Arsenal? Or do you say, let's start the preseason after Arsenal? On the Ryan Sessegnon thing, I think that's an absolute must. He needs to start playing. I think that would improve the side. I don't personally rate Ben Davis particularly. So I think that but I think that Ryan Sessegnon could improve the team, and that's a no-brainer. Fundombele needs to be tried. But on the point of our, of the game against Arsenal, it's a must-not-lose game because this season has been so humiliating as a Spurs fan. And we potentially have the awful prospect of them winning another FA Cup. The we simply cannot lose that game. And I think it would undermine the support base for Jose Mourinho. I'd say that fans are prepared to tolerate his regime at Spurs at the moment. And I think an embarrassing Derby defeat could have proper consequences for Mourinho. So I don't think you simply say, oh, let's just experiment and see what happens. But there are obvious ways of improving this team. And after the game against Arsenal, I think it literally is pre-season. Let's see some of the young players you know let's see Dennis Sergio at left back and Ryan Sessegnon further forward I personally can't see how the season can get any worse and let's start next season better this doesn't have to be this way at Spurs so at this point I think you've accepted the fact that we're probably not going to play European football next year I've accepted the fact myself as well I would I would argue to even say that that's actually the direction that I want to go because I want to say, you know what? I'll give you, Jose, a season to rebuild. Um, you know what you're going to be working with financially because we don't spend money. But 
because of the fact that you're not going to Europe, yeah, you're not going to get money. But now I expect you to challenge for something next year domestically. All you have to worry about is the domestic calendar. Is that – can we see a Jose Mourinho rebound uh, of, of the standings like he did with Manchester United? Like if he finishes second and somehow he wins a trophy – now do you start saying, okay, I'm comfortable, or do you do you say, I want to challenge for everything? So I think the European argument is a double-edged sword because I could really see Jason Mourinho winning the Europa League at Spurs, and that'd be something incredibly exciting. Uh, at Tottenham, if you compare our European record against Arsenal's, it's something that we take great pride in, the fact that Spurs have more European trophies and have been to a final of the Champions League more regularly, and I'd love to win the Europa League. I think Tottenham Hotspur at the moment is below that level. I don't think we're actually of the quality of Wolves who are in the Europa League this season. And so a season out may be part of that rebuilding job. That is a necessity. However, Jose Mourinho does need to make Tottenham challenge for trophies and challenge for the top four. And it's simply not good enough to have another season ambling through with some of the excuses that we've had Uh, beginning this season. So I personally think, for example, a midfield of Hoiberg, Ndombele and Lo Celso in behind a front three is a top four midfield. And I think the front three is exciting. And I think that it doesn't have to be this way, as I've said at Spurs. So I think whether we're in Europe or not, you know, Spurs have to be better next season. It's an absolute non-negotiable. And if we start the season badly, I think that Mourinho isn't the man. You know, as someone that supported his appointment, if we start the season badly, it's time to look elsewhere. So you you bring in Hoiberg, and 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 I'm glad you did because I, I want to understand how you rate him. Uh, he is obviously in in a lower club, but he's shown some leadership. He's the captain of that club, and he's kind of young. Is that is that something that excites you? Tell me tell me your thoughts around Hoiberg. So I think the first thing is sometimes not noticed is that his statistics are absolutely remarkable so he has the best tackling and interceptions rate since Kante season at Leicester and uh, would be above where Idrissa Garner Gay was when he signed for Everton and then subsequently to PSG so this is a pair that should excite Spurs fans and should you know make Spurs fans feel a bit better and add some robust steel to that midfield is he somebody that sends a message out welcome back Tottenham Hotspur we're going to be challenging for leagues Maybe not, but that isn't the level that we're currently at. And I think a player age 24 that would add steel to the midfield looks quality in his outfit and looks like someone who's ready to assert himself on that midfield is something that's good. And the other thing I would say is that he might release the Celso and we might see the creative talent that we all know is there. We can kind of see the hints of. So I think Hoiberg is somebody that maybe will facilitate a better Tottenham and it's, an, it's a necessary signing. A defensive midfielder is an absolute must next year. So, in, in releasing, in, in releasing, and I don't, I hate making comparisons, but it's one of those things where it's like you don't know what you've lost until you don't have it. Do you think Lacelso could fit in and really become what Ericsson was in his prime? Yeah, I, I think Lacelso's got the potential to be better than what Ericsson was. So Ericsson was a marvellous player, one of the best I've seen at Spurs. But there was, I can only point to one goal he scored in a big game, which was away at Manchester City when he scored on Valentine's Day. Um, so I think the Celso's got the potential to be better. This is somebody 
he scored his goal record at Real Betis was better than Ericsson's at Ajax and in a tougher league. I just think we need to unleash the potential of Lacelso and in playing the role of eight isn't where I see Giovanni Lacelso uh, of the future. But I, I am excited by him, and he is my one positive from what has been a truly abject season. What do you see happening tomorrow? I'll, I'll, I want to take uh, I want to take your point of view. Do you think on Dumbele plays? Do you think that um, Do you think that we line up the same? Do you think that the pairing still still remains the same with uh, Eric Dyer and Davis back there? What are your thoughts? No, so I think there's an inkling that he'll go back to an older back four, maybe with Vertonghen and Alderweireld. There's been a few Spurs fans that have said it's a good message to send out. I think one of Alderweireld or Vertonghen will play. I think Ndombele won't play. I would personally play him myself. What do I see happening? I'm very, very pessimistic about tomorrow. I can't predict against Spurs, so I'm not going to offer you a prediction, actually, unfortunately. But I can't see tomorrow ending well. Everton are in good form. I think with Charleston up against that defence is a disaster. We've been conceding free kicks and penalties left, right and centre. Luca Digne's got a phenomenal record. I think Andre Gomez could control that midfield. I don't really have much optimism. To, 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 I, to believe I, we almost got Andre Gomez too, right? Imagine. No, I, th- I think it's amazing the level of... It's amazing, like the level of players that have kind of escaped Tottenham Hotspur. The one, just to end, you know, my points on this is Bruno Fernandez. Tottenham Hotspur wanted him before Ericsson, when Ericsson was going to leave, and we just didn't get the deal done. And this player has taken the Premier League by absolute storm. And so, you know, that's the life of being a Tottenham Hotspur fan. There's so many maybes ranging from Hazard to Coutinho. You know, every summer there seems to be a maybe signing at Tottenham Hotspur. And I think, you know, it's part of the heartbreak and maybe one day it will all come together at Spurs. But, you know, our midfield, you know, especially someone like Bruno Fernandes would just add a whole new dynamic and has revitalized Man United. They're a complete different outfit, aren't they, right now? I know. I mean, in some ways you're, you're kind of impressed that Tottenham drew one all with them because we're, we look so far off the pace at the moment. They're a completely different outfit. And I think... In, in the summer, I'm more optimistic than most. I think in the summer, with some signings, maybe with Hoiberg and Max Ahrens coming in, I think we will be rejuvenated and we'll be better than we currently are. I'm not saying we'll be challenging for anything, but I don't think this is permanent at Tottenham Hotspur. I just think we are going through a rough patch and wow, considering the heights that we were scaling over the last four or five years and what we were challenging for, this really is a rough patch. So... If you had the keys to the castle and I told you that you needed to sell in order to buy, who are you looking to sell? Uh, Eric Lamella, uh, the injury record, football's a brutal game. I think Eric Lamella is simply, uh, you know, he takes up space in the squad. I'm not really sure what he adds. I think Eric Lamella will be number one. I think that... You know, the players out on loan, like Carl Walker-Peters, have got to be used to raise cash. Jack Clark, I don't see having a future at Tottenham. I think the most controversial one I would advocate would be that Deli Ali's time at Tottenham has come to an end. Um, I think that he's flattered to deceive ever so much in the fact that I truly thought we had a, an England great on our hands. And he's just so inconsistent and it's so frustrating. I think maybe we can't cut our losses. I think we'll generate 45, 50 million pounds from his sale. 
But I think now would be the time to let him go. And all of a sudden, with those sales, you're building a transfer pot that can help revitalize the football club. I, I, I am 100% with you on the Deli Alley situation. As a matter of fact, I kind of said controversially that um, before the winter, uh, the winter break and the January uh, transfer season, I said if you were to give me 150 million pounds right now for Deli Alley and Harry Kane, I'd give them to you. Uh, being that Harry Kane would probably be more than a million, uh, hundred million pounds for that. Um, Deli Alley just seems that he got figured out because you'd, you'd still think that there is a quality player in him because he produced the quality, but maybe he was more of an unknown that everybody just figured out how to play him eventually. But it, it raises another point that we even have to think about the fact that last year we were in the Champions League final and this year we're sitting down and thinking, well, it's back to old Tottenham again, right? We have to sell in order to buy, which brings up a really sour subject to discuss. Uh, you know, the English National Investment Company, uh, our great owners. Is 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 this the time to try to force these people to sell the club? Or do we keep faith with the fact that realistically they have not won any trophies? Well, same, same for one. But they've raised the club stature. They've they've raised the value of the club, the 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 stature and the name of the club. Um, there's the, the, is there's that fun fine line of are they good for the club or is it for is it their time to go? What are your thoughts? So just quickly, on, just want to end on Deli Ali. Just to give an American uh, example, Deli Ali is almost like a designated hitter in baseball. Except in football, you can't have someone to carry that weight. You know, he can vanish during games, and you know, someone in baseball may hit the valuable runs that, uh, that a side needs. But you, you, just, you simply can't have that in football. So that's just to give a quick summary on my position on Deli Ali. Yeah. Is that the magic moments aren't worth having on Enoch? I think that in any other walk of life. We would say that what they've done at Spurs is amazing and they've transformed the club and brought the name stature. And if it was an ordinary business, I, you know, everyone would be talking about how it was a transformational. But in football, we have an unusual thing called trophies and we simply have failed. And I can put that down to individual managers. I can put that down to strange decisions. But ultimately, as a Spurs fan, I want to see Spurs win trophies. And the lack of investment or lack of decision to invest at the key moments means that it is time to sell. I don't personally think the coronavirus lends itself to an environment in which they can sell or should sell. But in two or three years, I think that Tottenham Hotspur need new owners. We need to be pushing at the top of the Premier League. We need to be, you know, the little Tottenham that I grew up with no longer exists. We have a 60,000-seater stadium, the best striker around. You know, we were in the Champions League final. We challenged for two league titles. This isn't an underdog story anymore, and Tottenham Hotspur simply have to win. Would you accept some oil money? Would you accept to be another Man City or a PSG? So I struggle with this question on, on a daily basis, you know, whenever someone asks. I think that Tottenham Hotspur has a soul, you know, and, and being from a local area that other clubs don't have. But it's very, very difficult to argue that they wouldn't transform Tottenham into, you know, the team that I want them to be. I would prefer 
um, is the diplomatic answer, a John W. Henry type figure. Mm-hmm. We were linked with the New York Yankee owners. For, you know, there was a brief rumor that they were interested in Spurs. I'd prefer the American style, not, of course, what's happened uh, Arsenal, but I'd prefer you know, um, an investment project like that, you, you know, from you, someone like John W. Henry. You'd, you'd uh, prefer, you'd prefer like a, like a Liverpool situation, uh, where, you know, they, they figured out what Arsenal did and figured out the mistakes and ended up winning rather than just exactly, stick with the mistakes. Exactly. But, you know, if it takes oil money to be, a, for Spurs to be the all conquering force, I'm so desperate for them to be, you know, who am I to turn my nose up on that? But I do think Spurs has an essence and, you know, is something special that no other club has. And it's very important to me that we don't lose that. That's a fair point, man. That's really a fair point. So, really quickly, I'll end with what do you think is going to happen in the summer? Uh, if, if you have a crystal ball. And how do you think our first half of the season is going to be, basically, up till Christmas? So my crystal ball would say that Hoiberg will be in a Tottenham shirt by the end of the by the, you know when the transfer window opens. I think that Max Aaron's from Norwich will be at Spurs, and I think there'll be some strange free transfer signings. So, so free transfer signings like um, give me give me an example of like a free free transfer signing. So Saw at Nice would be one of the examples. He's a left back and a centre back. I think that, you know, someone like that that the scouts might pull out from a bit more left field could be a possibility. But I personally think that Spurs always bring in kind of a left field signing. And I think that's something that fans should be expecting or fans can get used to. I think that we'll start next season positively. Mourinho likes a fast start. I think we'll, I think we'll start the season well. I think we'll slowly fade, but be in and around the top four places by Christmas. I don't quite know where we'll end the season. I think with a few good signings, we might be okay. I don't... As depressing as this season needs to be, this doesn't need to be the... It doesn't need to be the permanent state of Tottenham Hotspur. I do think some of the foundations are there at Spurs. And that ultimately means that we have, an, we have a chance to compete back where we should be. So I think with sensible signings, four or five signings, we won't be the finished article. We're not going to see a transfer. And we're not going to see a title challenge next season. But we could be in and around fourth place by Christmas, I hope. Yeah, I hope so too, man. Well, thank you for joining us and thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you at the end of the week.